so we are in week two of Back to the Basics, which is a series we started um, last week. Uh, last week, we hit on the importance of getting back to um, the fundamentals as far as like shaking up the Etch-a-Sketch. Etch-a-Sketch. Anyway, the Etch-a-Sketch of life that we are building. Um, and something that is this is something that's common in the sports wor world as far as getting back to basics, um, especially when a player is injured or they, so they have a setback. It's important that they uh, get back into this rehabilitation uh, season. And um, I, I played sports all my life growing up. I, I played football um, all the way up to I was in high school and that was something common that we would talk about our coaches would always talk about especially when we're getting beat I played in the trenches so that was O-line D-line nitty-gritty um, so whenever we would have moments where we were getting beat um, whether I was on defense getting beat by an O-lineman or letting defense uh, defensive ends or tackles get past me my coach would always tell me, hey, how's your, how's your base, which was, our, which was our feet? So I'm going to squat real quick. Contain yourself, Lyric. Um, <laughs> so you have, to, like, you, you have to have your base, your feet under you. Um, otherwise, you could get pulled off your block or get thrown to the ground. So it was important to always reset whenever we were getting beat. Uh, but... Focus, refocusing is always common in even the business world. Um, it's important for us to always remember our goals and our why as to why our businesses were established. Um, and this is also something that is important for our walk with the Lord, just resetting, recalibrating, getting back to the fundamentals, honestly, so that we can help our foundation be more solidified. And that's, I, I, we've been in this series similar to this in the youth, and we just talk about how, you know, some great people have these high rises, but they also have hard falls. And it, it all has to do with foundation. So I think it's important for us to always uh, get back to that. So this morning, I want us to look at some scripture out of the book of Revelation. <gasps> Some of y'all are like, what? I've never even touched that book. <laughs> so uh, we're going to look at some scripture out of uh, Revelation um, 2, and then we're going to break down the thought of first love or lost love. And then I want us to gain some steps to help apply to our life as we leave here, because we want to leave with some tools in our tool belt, right? Um, good thing is it's not something that I came up with. It's literally in the scripture. So um, <clears throat> my hopes for today, though, is not for us to leave with this heart of wanting to love people better and tip more. Um, but honestly, I, I, the, my hopes for today is that we can remember that the importance of the intimacy with the Lord. Because everything that has to do with love is going to stem out of that overflow of the intimacy with the Lord. So 
some things we need to know about this book before we get into it. Um, I just took on a position as a world history teacher, so you're going to get a lot of history facts. Um, so this book was written by uh, the Apostle John, um, and it was in his exile to the island of Patmos, which uh, was off the, co the coast of modern-day Turkey. Um, and he was sent there by the emperor Domitian. Um, while he was there, the first few chapters we see um, John and the Lord having a conversation. And, and, and Jesus begins to tell him to write down these letters, write these letters to these seven churches. And the first church that he writes to is the church of Ephesus. So we're going to look at this letter of the church of, that was written to the church of Ephesus and uh, break it down a little bit. So if you have your Bible, if you don't, we have it on the screen. If your Bible glows, that's cool, too. So in Revelation 2, it says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. And he says this, he says, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work. I have seen your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of all those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from the place among the churches. But this is in your favor. The hate, you hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he's saying for the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life and the paradise of God. So Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for truth. God, as we move into this, Lord, just begin to uh, highlight things in our life, begin to reveal things in our life that has taken the place of you, Lord. Let, us, let our hearts be moved back to intimacy with you, Father. Lord, as we get into this, help us to grow and operate in the assignments that you've called us to, Lord. We love you and pray this in your name. Amen. So, real quick, in this scripture, we see a few things. We see that Jesus says a few important things uh, for us to grasp. The first thing he does is he praises the church of Ephesus. He praises them for what they were doing right. The second thing he does is he shares some heartfelt disappointment. And then the third thing he does is he gives them three steps to recover from this. Uh, something that I just noted whenever I was, you know, studying through this, um, he praised before he corrected. And I thought that was big. Just as a parent, I was like, I mean, we use the compliment sandwich and all that stuff. You ever heard of that? But, um, but he, he praised them on what they were doing right before he was like, you know. So I, I thought that was something important to, to note. Um, but here's 
let's look at why he praised the church of Ephesus. So if we were to look at a map of the churches, uh, which I have a, <laughs> it's a small map, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, but in this map, you can see off on the coast, there's the island of Patmos. Um, and if you were sailing from Patmos, the first place you would reach is the church of Ephesus. Some facts, some, some research that was done on the church of Ephesus, it was, the, it was a capital city of this area called Asia Minor. So it was an important city. It was also a port city, which means they had a lot of travelers. A lot of tourism was happening here. Um, a lot of goods and, and trades happened here. A lot of things were shipped in and brought out of uh, this, the city of Ephesus. Um, it was also a free city, which means that they were free to worship wherever gods they want to. This was a popular place for those who worshiped the goddess Diana, who, if, if you were Roman, or Artemis, if you were Greek. And this is one of the places, it was considered one of the seven wonders of the world in this time. So it was a big deal. Um, and looking at all of these churches, the church of Ephesus would have been the most difficult one to get the word of God planted in people uh, because of all the darkness that was surrounding it. There was so much happening there that it was easy to get distracted. Note, it's important for us to note that Christian, Christianity was also booming in this time. So it wasn't like the church was absent. The problem that they were having is uh, in verse six, whenever we mention the Nicolaitans, what would end up happening is these apostles would start, they would, they would be on the right path. All of a sudden they would veer off just a little bit and they would take people with them, creating these new, these offsprings of what Christianity was. So that's why um, Jesus mentions his, his, uh, the church's hate for their their disobedience, but this church was this church was literally in a season in a in a position where they either had to compromise the truth or remain faithful. And a lot of people were compromising the truth because they didn't I mean, whatever sounds good felt good, they decided to go that way. And so the, the church of Ephesus was in a place of being either compromising the truth or remaining faithful. Now, Jesus, he praises this church because he's like, look, I'm proud of y'all. Y'all are working hard. Y'all are serving well. Y'all tolerate evil people. Y'all's theology, sound. Y'all are enduring the insults of people. Y'all are facing persecution. Y'all got the best lights. Your musicians are stellar. Your hospitality team, I swear you got them from Chick-fil-A. Like they, they were doing everything right. They were doing the work of the church phenomenally. But there was one complaint that Jesus had. They lost their love for him and for others. And this is where we see that heartfelt disappointment come in. And... I don't know about y'all, but when I read verse four, it, it kind of shook me to my gut because I'm like, 
I know that I can fall in this, but not only can I fall in this, I know that I have. I know I have lost my love at points. And it's so easy to get caught doing the motions of being in the church or going through my regular duties and just living life and growing and raising a family and going to work and doing the things that I think are right and completely miss that intimacy, that love, that passion that I once had for the Lord and for his people. And my question to you is, have we lost our love? Have we veered off just a little bit? Could we be commended for our service on our service teams? Could we be praised for coming to church three times a month? Or we, we can quote a little bit of scripture here and there. Or we're doing things right. I'm being a great man in my family. All these things are great, but is our heart in it? Is our heart in the right place? Or are we off just a, just a little bit? Did we lose sight of God's standards and replace it with whatever standard the world may have set for us? So our love for people should flow out of the overflow of our love for Jesus. But in the midst of living life, our hearts, our hearts, they get out of alignment. And to the point to where we find ourselves struggling to um, love what James, the book of the letter, the book of James describes as God's most prized possession, which is his people. So when I, was, uh, when I was 19, I had one of the greatest moments in my life. I had some great moments in my life. I mean, I got married and had kids, but this was probably the first one because I bought a 2002 Chevy Impala. My mom had one when I was in elementary, and I loved, for some reason, she loved those cars. And I didn't understand why, but then I saw a lot of cop cars where they were in Paula, so I was like, these things got to go fast. So I bought one. I bought it for $500. I bought it with my first income tax check, which was $533. So spent $500 on the car, $32 in the gas tank, had a whole dollar for the vending machine. But we, I was living in Texas at this time. I was working at uh, Camp Eagle, and I bought this car, and I loved it. Um, and I, I learned real fast, uh, whenever I got over 50 miles per hour, this car, whether you wanted it or not, you were given a massage. It would just start shaking. And I, I, I thought that was what it was supposed to do, because, you know, when something's older like that, it's like it's going to have its little issues so I was like that's what it's supposed to do um but almost every month like clockwork a new light would come on and uh <laughs> I would honestly do what my older sister do did when these things would happen she would ignore it so I was like I guess I'm supposed to ignore it so I <laughs> I'm driving around with all these lights on <laughs> but and I drove that thing like everywhere like all over Texas, all over Louisiana. I took it up to Minnesota. I know y'all are like, this dude is tripping. Like, why didn't he understand? Like, I know some of the men are like, I know what the issue is, but I'm going to go ahead and lay this out. 
I didn't have a man in my life to tell me how to work on cars, so I was like, Psh. it is what it is. I'm going to keep, it's, it ain't Dodge yet. Uh, so anyways, I, I bring it back from Minnesota, bring it back to Texas. All of a sudden, something happens that, all right, I got to get this fixed. The, the AC goes out. It's hot in Texas. It's hot in Louisiana. It can't have the AC out. I can have all the other lights on, but the AC can't be out. I bring it into the mechanic, and <laughs> I said, hey, I just walk in like, bro, tossing my keys like, bro, can you fix my AC for me? And while you're at it, just go ahead and look and see why it's shaking so bad. <laughs> so I'm waiting, and this man, like, comes back, and I've never seen anybody's eyes as wide as this man's eyes were. And he's like, sir, your brake system, your wheel bearings, they are completely shot. Like, you cannot leave here. You should not drive this thing at all till you get this fixed. And not only that, but the inside of your tires, I can literally see the wires coming out. And he asked me this one question. He said, sir, when was the last time you got your tires aligned? <laughs> I've been driving around this car causing so much damage, and it could have been simply, like, addressed and fixed if I would have gotten the tires aligned. And this is my question to you. Are our hearts out of alignment? Like, are we a little bit out of alignment causing these issues to pop up more in our life. It's our love out of alignment. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, without love, we are nothing. And it goes on to say that we can speak in tongues of angels and possess all the gifts, but all that's pointless if we don't have love. And it's not even just like outright rudeness or lack of tolerance for people, but Sometimes we can not be loving others by throwing our negativity that we feel onto others, causing them to spur into this negative downward spiral called gossip. But like, are we just a little bit out of alignment? The light of the church is its love. And when the church loses its love, we lose our effectiveness. So when Ephesus began, with Ephesus being a port city, the gospel really had the opportunity to spread not only through water but through land. It had all these different areas it could, it could spread. And the church of Ephesus could not afford to lose the intimacy, the love that it had with the Lord because then what it was sharing, what it was sending wouldn't be effective. And this goes for us as people. When we leave our home, we're going into the workplaces, we're going to restaurants, to stores, all these different places, and we get to be the very representation of God. In 1 John 4, 12, it says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Meaning, by uh, God's, the full expression of God's love 
is brought to light when we love others. It shows that God is in us. So Jesus praises the church of Ephesus. He shares some heartfelt disappointment. And then we see him give them a three-step recovery. And it's in verse 5 where Jesus says, look at how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. And these three things that Jesus did, the first thing he did is he, he had them recognize. He said, remember where you are and where, you're, where you were and where you're at now. Examine your life. If we're modeling this life of Jesus, we have to remember the common denominator whenever we, whenever we read him encountering people. He always, he, he did nothing apart from the Father. And he loved people unconditionally. Even to the point whenever the Pharisees came to him and were trying to get him to uh, stumble. And they asked him this question, like, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But then the second thing he says that is also important, love your neighbor. I feel like there's a reason those are coupled, and we just read it in First John that whenever we love others, it brings full expression. It brings God's full expression. And I think that's important, especially with us being our own port cities, wherever we're coming from. So the first thing he, he's, he calls them to do is recognize. The second thing is repent. He says, turn back to me. He says, recalibrate, change the way you think. And I think this, this doesn't have to be a hardcore, drawn-out, crying session. It could be simply like, oh, my goodness, I'm off. I'm off a little bit. I need to recalibrate. But he says repent. He calls them to recal- recalibrate. And then the third thing is recapture. Do what you did at first. Seek him like you did before. I don't know about y'all, but I can remember that moment, those moments when I was, when I first gave my life to the Lord, that hunger I had, that passion. I, and I, when I was in high school, I remember one of my friends specifically, like he was so fired up to the point of where he would like specifically reach, um, for this one player on our football team, he was like, bro, you got to come to youth with us. Every single week he would get cussed out. And he just kept doing it. He just had this passion, and he was driving. And I was like, that, that was me at, some, at one point where I was just super passionate and in love with God's people. But in the midst of life, I mean, we, we miss it sometimes. Sometimes we just get caught up in distractions. And... He calls us to recognize, repent, and then recapture it. Like, remember where you were at at first. Our love cannot be missing. As a church, we cannot have our love missing. People's souls are at stake. And I was a part of a church growing up where love was missing, where I was in a youth ministry where I was bullied 
because of where I lived and because of my weight. And if you know me deeply, personally, you know how this plays into my story. You know that there will be no student that walks in the LP that will not feel loved. But all of this happens because my heart stems from that intimacy with the Lord. Like, I can't love people any better than the Lord can. And out of our own attempt at trying to love people, eventually it will run out. And I know just from all my years of being here at Victory, specifically in this church, I am grateful for a church that has loved me through all, and I put that in caps, all my awkward stages. From my teenage years to when that, that, that portion of life when I was finding myself and had a nose ring, There were still people in this church that loved me through all of that to where I'm raising a family now. And it's like they are loving me still through that. And I can look around and see some families that have really impacted um, my journey. But I know all of that is caused from their overflow of love that they spend with with the Father. And that's why I'm here today because of the love they've poured on the me. So with all this, I want to wrap up and close with this. Church, have we lost our love? Are our actions our actions because we're going through the motions or is it because we are flowing out of the intimacy with the Lord? The church cannot be effective if we lose our love. Therefore, we need to realign our focus. We need to realign our hearts so that love isn't lost in the assignment that God has given us. And the only way love will not be lost is if we recenter ourselves on the one who first loved us. So with all that being said, I want to get all of you to stand. And I just want to take a second, like, I don't, no, y'all may be good, but some of us may not be. And I just want to take this time for us to literally recenter, refocus, recalibrate. And I want you to do this personally by yourself. This may be you just asking the Lord to examine your heart. Where am I out of alignment? Is my time with you God, is that, is that being replaced by something else? So with that being said, I want to pray over y'all. So God, thank you so much for just who you are. Lord, I thank you that we get to be uh, the very representation of who you are on earth. And, and Lord, I pray that out of our relationship with you, out of our time spent with you, that we're able to love people. Lord, love people the way that you love them. Lord, you are so good.
You are worthy of all the praise, Father. Let us be aligned with what you have for us, God. Lord, as we go home, go to work, go to restaurants, let us operate out of that overflow. God, you're so good. Lord, we love you and pray this in your name.